Isaiah, that's in the Old Testament for those of you that struggle with Bible scholar drills. One of the major prophets. If you go to the middle, you'll be really close. Isaiah 53, verse 6. As we get there, I'll tell you a story that many of you probably already heard. Now, I'm sorry for putting that up there. It creeps me out, too. I absolutely detest snakes uh, with, a, with a passion. Those of you that know me know that. Uh, but there's a story about uh, a snake and a farmer that kind of goes with what we're talking about today that you've probably heard. So don't get ahead of me if you have. Try to stay with me. But there was a snake uh, on a cold winter day, practically frozen, really, really cold, really dormant, um, just, just laying there on the ground, practically freezing to death. And the farmer walks by the snake, and the snake says, please pick me up. Put me in your sack so I can warm up. And the farmer says, no, I'm not going to pick you up. You're a snake. If I pick you up and put you in my sack, you're going to bite me. And he says, oh, no, no, I would never do that. I just need help. I'm freezing. I'm cold. Please pick me up. Put me in your sack. Warm me up. I would never do that to you for you doing such a good thing to me. I said, I don't know. I, uh, I mean, you're a snake, after all. You're a snake. I hate even saying the word. <laughs> and uh, I don't think I should. And he said, no, I promise. I, I, I won't bite you. I just need to warm up. I'm so cold. I'm, I, I'm near death. I'm just about frozen to death. Please pick me up and put, you, put me in your sack so I can warm up as you as you make your way uh, on your path down the hill. He says, okay, fine. So he puts him up, picks him up, puts him in a sack, goes on his path, continues down the hill, and as the longer he walks, the longer the snake's in the sack, the warmer he gets, the warmer he gets, and the closer back to normal he gets, and as they get to the bottom of the hill, close to the end of the path where the farmer's going, the snake is finally warmed back up to normal. And as soon as that happens, he pops his head out of the sack, Bam! And he bites the farmer. And the farmer throws him down. And he says, what, what are you doing? I was so nice to you. I cared for you. I saved your life. Why would you do that to me? And the snake says, I'm sorry. I was just being a snake. And he's just being himself, right? Now, it's not a funny story. I wasn't trying to be, leave that up to like it was going to be funny or anything. I'm sorry. It's not a funny story. It's a story about a snake. A snake being a snake. And now you see why I hate him. People say, there's good snakes. No, yeah, a dead snake. That's a good snake. <laughs> well, this one's good and this one, I don't care. If I see them, I'm going to kill them. Just telling you. Uh, but a snake is a snake. It has a nature, right? It has a nature. It is what it is. It is a snake, okay? What are you and I? That's what we're digging into today. Who are we? What, what is our nature? And what does that mean for us uh, as we as we try to follow the God of the universe, what does it mean to do that? I think often in the Christian world, in the church world, we think that you know coming to church means behavior modification. If we can just clean up and dress up and straighten up and get our morals a little straighter and 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 you know kind of polish up the right way, then we're then we're being good Christians. And and I think as we dig in this today, that if that is what you think that you may find out that that is not exactly what God says in His Word about who we are and what He wants from us and what He expects from us. If you weren't going to put it into one little verse, I would choose this. Psalm 103. Acknowledge that Yahweh is God. He made us, and we are His. His people, the sheep 
of his pasture. That's how we are described so often in the God's word. We're described as his sheep. And you've heard that, and you know that, and you're thinking, well, I thought you were going to have something like fresh and new and exciting this morning. Maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. You can tell me afterwards. You may, if you fall asleep, then you fall asleep. That's on you. But I think we're going to look at it from a slightly different angle, maybe, that could open our eyes. I know it opened up my heart about what it means to be one of God's sheep, to be in his herd, what it means to follow him. So if we look at Isaiah 53, 6, our, our main passage that we're looking at today, of course, Isaiah is chock full of a lot of things, but we're just going to pick this one. And if, if you could like, if I could like get you to commit like one Old Testament chapter to memory, it would probably be this one, Isaiah 53. It is the most prophetic description of Jesus, I think, of anything that is in Scripture. And we get right here in this chapter, in this verse, and it says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So, by those two scriptures, who are we? We are sheep. And I know that carries a negative connotation now and a political connotation now, and I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about what God's talking about in His Word. We are sheep. That is our nature. Our nature is sheep. Human beings, by nature, are sheep. How do I know that? Because that's the way God describes us as sheep. And there's a reason why He does that, and let's hopefully figure that out today. So what is it to be a sheep? Why a sheep? Well, one, a sheep was a, was a very common animal <laughs> during biblical times. It was a symbol of wealth. It was, it was, it was an, a known animal. It was an animal that had a lot of functions. So by referencing sheep, it would be a, a, a very well-known thing. But what, what is different about sheep as to many other animals? One thing is a sheep has absolutely no defense mechanism, no defense system. No way to fight off prey whatsoever. If a, if, a, if a wolf or some type of preying animal comes after a sheep, a sheep is absolutely, positively, 100% helpless to fight against that animal. And we are sheep. Sheep also, and mainly because of that, need a shepherd. Sheep are not extremely intelligent animals. They need someone to lead them. They, by nature, will follow someone that is leading them. Now, we know we call that, that we call a leader of the sheep the shepherd. That, that is in the nature of a sheep. A sheep wants to follow something. It will follow something. It is in the nature of a sheep to follow something that is leading it. What it follows is a different question, but if it follows is not a question. A sheep will follow someone. It needs a shepherd to, fo to follow. And the other thing about a sheep is it, sheep are supposed to be in a herd, and many animals are, are herd animals, but sheep will just wander off. They get distracted. It's where the term greener pastures comes from. They may see grass that looks a little better than the grass they're eating here, and they may just wander over there to that grass. They may just not be paying attention. They may just be stubborn. There's a whole lot of reasons, but sheep will 
go astray. They will wander off. Prone to wander, we are. We are sheep. So with that in mind, with that description of sheep, look back at that verse real quick. It says, we all, who's included in all? Are you included in all? Am I included in all? Is everybody included in all? It's an all-encompassing thing, right? We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Now, I, I, like, <clears throat> I like the way it says it there in the Holman Christian uh, translation. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. We, we all are sheep by nature. And by, by nature, we will wander. We will go astray. We will sin. We will go out and do and, and, and not be and not do what we're supposed to do. But then it says, each of us has turned to our own way. In other words, we, we, we are sheep, therefore we act like sheep, but, but each of us has individual responsibility in how we have chosen to be that sheep. So there's a, there's a common nature, but there's an individual responsibility in our choices as sheep. We have all chosen, even though we are sheep, we still choose to wander. And then the end of that verse there, which we're not getting into a whole lot uh, technically today, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We all are sheep, we all have messed up, but, but man, but God fixed it on himself. He took it all on himself. All of our imperfections, all of our sins, all of our things, he took all of that on himself. Please, go home this week, sometime this week, read Isaiah 53 if you want your soul strengthened uh, and your desire to follow the Lord to be strengthened. Go home and read that this week. So the question, you know that's how I work. When I read something, I think about it, it comes a question. So the question to me is, if we are sheep, and we're supposed to be sheep, then how and what makes a good sheep? If I want to be who God has called me to be, then what makes a good sheep? How does a sheep become a better sheep? How does a sheep act like a good sheep, perform like a good sheep, live a good life as a sheep? What makes a good sheep? Is it, is it I don't know, is it, is the sheep supposed to get stronger? Is the sheep supposed to be prettier? How can the sheep make his, his wool better? How can the sheep, I mean, what makes a good sheep? We're going to dig in right here to a long swath of passage. I'll tell you that up front because I don't want you to lose me halfway through it. Because sometimes the only way to get it is to cover a big swath of Scripture altogether. Now, I'm not down in a one-verse devotional, Okay? Those have their places, and those are great, and, and I read those too, and, and, they, and they can be very poignant and very great sometimes. But sometimes to get the big picture, you've got to just ingest and digest a big swath, of pass, uh, a big passage of Scripture. So we're going to look at Ezekiel real quick. Now, Ezekiel is a, is a prophet during the exile, okay? During the exile. So Israel and Judah, Israel has been swept away by the Assyrians, and Judah has been taken captive to Babylon it's a 70-year period. The first 20-ish years of that period is, a, is the time that Ezekiel is writing about. And this is towards the end of Ezekiel as he's writing. And it's talking, it's getting more to the, yeah, we got swept away like I told you was going to happen. And we're in captivity. But hope is coming. Restoration is coming. Something, someone is coming. That's kind of where we're, we're here. But this, it's, a, it's a whole chapter. Stay with me as we go through this here. All right. Ezekiel 34, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, 
This is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? You eat the fat, wear the wool, and butcher the fattened animals, but you do not tend the flock? You have strengthened the weak, healed, you have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost? Instead, you have ruled them with violence and with cruelty. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for all the wild animals when they were scattered. My flock went astray on all the mountains and every high hill. They were scattered over the whole face of the earth, and there was no one searching or seeking for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, the declaration of the Lord God, because my flock has become prey and food for every wild animal, since they lack a shepherd, for my shepherds do not search for my flock, and because the shepherds feed themselves rather than my flock, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. So currently, through Ezekiel, God is talking to the leaders of Israel and the leaders of the, the nations that have taken them captive. And he is saying, you are not doing your job as shepherds. You are not doing what you're supposed to do. Matter of fact, not only are you not doing your job in protecting and taking care of them, you're exploiting and oppressing the sheep and not taking care of them the way I've called you to. So because of that, here's what's going to happen. So we keep going. Verse 10, this is what the Lord God says. Look, I am against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. I will demand my flock from them and prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves, for I will rescue my flock from their mouth so that they will not be food for them. For this is what the Lord God says. See, I myself will search for my flock and look for them. As a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day he is among his scattered flock. So I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a cloudy and dark day. I will bring them out from the peoples, gather them from the countries, and bring them into their own land. I will shepherd them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will tend them with good pasture, and their grazing place will be on Israel's lofty mountains. They will lie down in a grazing place. They will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This is the declaration of the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, bandage the injured, and strengthen the weak. But I will destroy the fat and strong. I will shepherd them with justice. The Lord God says to you, my flock, I am going to judge between one sheep and another, between the rams and male goats. Isn't it enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of the pasture with your feet? Or isn't it enough that you drink the clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Yet my flock has to feed on what you, your feet have trampled and drink what you have muddled, what your feet have muddled. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, the righteous and the unrighteous, one could say. Continuing, 21. Since you have pushed with flank and shoulder and butted all the weak ones with your horns until you scattered them all over, I will save my flock and they will no longer be prey for you. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will point over them a single shepherd, my servant David, and he will shepherd them. Real quick side note, just for fun. This is during the exile. This is way after David. Way after David. 
over 300 years after David. So what is Ezekiel saying? Somebody from that line <laughs> is coming. Somebody from the line of David is coming. My servant David, and he will shepherd them. He will tend them himself and will be their shepherd. I, Yahweh, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among them. I, Yahweh, have spoken. Almost there. Stay with me. I will make a covenant of peace with them and eliminate dangerous animals in the land. Talking about the sheep still, his people, Israel. So that they may live securely in the wilderness and sleep in the forest. I will make them and the area around my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in their season, showers of blessing. The trees of the field will give their fruit and the land will yield its produce. My flock will be secure in their land. They will know that I am Yahweh when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslave them. Excuse me. They will no longer be prey for the nations, and the wild animals of the land will not consume them. They will live securely, and no one will frighten them. I will establish for them a place renowned for its agriculture, and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land. They will no longer endure the insults of the nations. Then they will know that I... Yahweh their God am with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people. This is the declaration of the Lord, and the last verse of the chapter is 34:31. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture. I am your God, declares the sovereign Lord. Now, like I said that's a lot. I get that. There's a whole lot that's going on there, and we could spend probably a year dissecting that and exegeting that out. But the main point today in that chapter and in reading that entire chapter is there's human leopard, human leaders that are shepherds, and there's God. God says he is the ultimate shepherd. God describes himself as a shepherd because his people by nature are sheep. So he describes himself as a shepherd, and he tells right there in different ways what that means. God says, I am the good shepherd, and a good shepherd will provide good pasture. In other words, what his sheep need. A good shepherd will provide a good location, right? Enough water, enough sunshine, but not too much. A good location that's easier to defend them. If you're too much out in the wide open, then wild animals can come, and even the shepherd couldn't stop it. But if you're, if you're up in a nook and, and, and where it's hard for... A good location. A good shepherd knows how to protect his sheep. Good medicine. Good exercise to make them strong. It says you haven't, you haven't helped the weak. You haven't fixed those who are, who are sick. Good support. Good pursuit. Right? Don't think I've forgotten about our word for the year. We're supposed to be pursuing Jesus with everything we have. A good shepherd will pursue the sheep that are lost. Right? One of my favorite passages of the scripture. Right? Because every one of us at some point... There's the 99, but every one of us at one point were the one. We got the 99, but, but God says, the one, I'll go after the one. Because the 99, they're safe, and they're here, and they're good. But the one, I'm going to go after him. A good shepherd will pursue a sheep that has gone astray. And Isaiah has already told us in 53.6 that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We all each individually choose to go about life our own way in rebellion to God, in sin to God, separated from God. An eternity without God <clears throat> by nature. So what are we saying? What was our original question? What makes a good sheep? What makes a good sheep? How do you become a better sheep? How do you bench press more to be a stronger sheep? And how do you, what conditioner do you need to have better, prettier wool? I don't need conditioner, but you might. 
<clears throat> what does it take to be a good sheep? It's simple. The quality of the shepherd determines the quality of the sheep. That's why understanding our nature is so important. A sheep is incapable of behavior modification long term. And guess what? So are you, and so am I. We can dress it up, and we can church it up, but only for so long. Even the strongest-willed person can only dress up their outside for so long. <clears throat> Eventually, life is going to press so hard. The difficulties of life is going to press down so hard that even the most stiff-necked person will give in eventually to what they think the outside of them is supposed to do to appear like a good sheep. A good sheep is not a good sheep because he or she does things to be a good sheep. The only thing that makes a good sheep a good sheep is that that good sheep follows a good shepherd. That's the determining factor. And the good shepherd, by shepherding his sheep, and his sheep following him, and listening to him, and doing what that shepherd says, that good sheep will then become a better sheep. But it's by transformation. It's not by gritting their teeth and thinking that they're doing something, that it's about them. The sheep knows that it's not about them. The sheep knows it's about the shepherd. Now, check this out. You ready? Told you we'd be in a lot of scripture today. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Holy cow. He says it right there for us. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is Jesus talking to us through John's gospel. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own, that's just deep right here, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also. That's you and me. That's the Gentiles. Be thankful that that was part of the plan. And they will also, they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. One people, all people, one shepherd. No separation. I could say that every week. I get up here and say it every week. Nothing on the outside that we think gives us value, gives us value to God. Not your skin, not your nationality, not your language, not your status in society, not the amount of wealth you have or don't, not the job that you have or you don't, the amount of kids that you have or don't, how pretty your wife is or your husband. Or none of that stuff that society and the world says makes you valuable, makes you valuable to God. None of that changes. One sheep, one herd, one shepherd. Lost my place. Where was I? For this reason, verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord because I'm the good shepherd. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up, to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus says it right there, plain as day. I am the good shepherd. 
I am the good shepherd. He didn't say, I'm the good coach, and I'm going to teach you how to do things better so that you can appear to do things better and so that you can perform better. He didn't say that. He said, I'm the good shepherd. You are a sheep. You are defenseless. You will follow a leader. So who you follow, that's a pretty key decision you make as a sheep. He says, you need me. You need a shepherd. Now, here's the kicker. Are you ready for this? That's why I'm so fired up while we were singing that last song. Jesus came also as the lamb, right? <laughs> Side note, check, the, check out how cool God is. Jesus came as the lamb, right, which is just a less than one-year-old sheep, for those of you that didn't know that. He came as the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, right? Who was the first person that the lamb of God was revealed to, the first group of people? I heard it. Shepherds! Catch the significance? Have you ever thought about that? I know we say it for all different reasons. I think that's the reason why shepherds were chosen, because he was the Lamb of God. But he's not just the Lamb of God. It's great that Jesus is the Lamb of God. It's very, very important that Jesus came as the Lamb of God, as the once and final for all sacrifice to take away the sins of the world, to take away your sins and my sins to transform us into something new. That's great, and I love that, and it's awesome. But I'll be honest with you, I like this second part better. As a human being, as a sinful human being, <laughs> I like this second part better. He's also the Lion of Judah that rules with a scepter, with an iron scepter. That's what Scripture describes the Messiah as. The Lamb, yeah, to take away the sins, but He ain't done yet. Y'all know that? He died on the cross. He took away your sins. He was buried. And on the third day, he came back to life, proving that his sacrifice was enough to conquer death, proving he has the power and authority to take up his life again, like he just said in John, and give eternal life to those that follow him, to his sheep that will decide to follow this good shepherd in faith. That is awesome, but he ain't done yet. He's coming back. You see, I've heard this so many times in my life. I don't understand why so-and-so gets away with so-and-so. Now, when we say that, we forget that we get away with a lot of so-and-sos, but we like to point out other people's so-and-sos, but that's beside the point today. It's, it, and you know what I'm talking about. When you feel like you're, you're trying to do things the right way, and it seems like everywhere you turn, every person that's, that's doing it the wrong way, evil, right? Just being evil. It's like they're getting away with it. And I've heard this so many times from Christians, and I've thought it and felt it and said it too. I don't understand why God doesn't do something about that. All we need to do is look at Scripture. God tells us what He's going to do. The Lion of Judah that first came as the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah will return. He is coming back. He is the Lion of Judah that rules with an uh, iron scepter. And check out how He is described here in Revelation 19. Then I saw heaven opened, and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True, and he judges and makes war in righteousness. His, now, this ain't the lamb no more. Check this out. This is describing Jesus. His eyes were like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. He had a name written that no one knows except himself. Can't wait to know it. He wore a robe stained with blood. This is a warrior. 
This is a warrior coming back to, back to the earth. His war, his, he wore robes stained with blood, and his name is the Word of God, the logic of God, the Logos. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses wearing pure white linen. Picture it. A sharp sword came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. He will shepherd them with an iron scepter. At this point, the good shepherd's going to be doing a little bit of discipline. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God the Almighty. And the next verse. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh. If you think about that, what, what does that mean? A name written on his robe and on his thigh. King of kings and Lord of lords. He came as a lamb and took away the sins of the world, but he is coming back as the lion of Judah. And evil will be no more. And them getting away with it will be no more. Catch this. And all that we have done will be no more. He will judge us for that too. But he is coming back as the lion of Judah. He is the good shepherd. Why is Jesus worth following? Because he is the lamb of God and the lion of Judah. And the lion of Judah. How do you make it through this world? Because you have the lamb of God that took away your sins and gave you the gift of eternal life. But you can't do anything in this life. If I haven't learned anything in the last six months, I've learned that I am in control of nothing. I have no defenses against the evil of this world. The only defense that has been given me is to follow the Good Shepherd. And the Good Shepherd has taken away all of that. He has given me the gift of eternal life through faith. And he is going to come back as the Lion of Judah. Praise God. Bring it on. I cannot wait. I cannot wait until it happens. How do you get through it? That's how you get through it. You remember who the shepherd is that you're following. You are a sheep. I don't give a whatever about how you dress up on the outside. I couldn't care less. All I want to know is, do you follow the good shepherd? Do you follow Jesus? Will you mess up? Absolutely. Will you do more than you should? Yeah. Will you say more than you should? On the regular. Why? Because by nature you're a sheep. And I'm a sheep. And a sheep needs a shepherd. The quality of the shepherd determines the quality of the sheep. It's not about being quote unquote better sheep. It's about trusting the correct shepherd. The good shepherd. It's not about being good sheep. It's about trusting the good shepherd. And by de facto, by following the correct shepherd, you will be a better sheep. You will become a better sheep. You will be transformed into a better sheep. Not because you check off a list that makes you feel self-righteous about how awesome you are. And it doesn't matter how good you think you are or how terrible you think you are. Jesus is the good shepherd. He came to take away the sins of of the world. And praise God, he's not done with that. He's coming back as the Lion of Judah on the white horse with eyes of fiery flame. And then, whew, it's going to be really good. <laughs> it's going to be really good. That's how we can face anything this world wants to throw at us, church. And that's how we're supposed to live. Not as self-righteous, predetermined, I'm a good sheep because I say I'm a good sheep as true sheep that know they have nothing to offer other 
than following the good shepherd. That's it. That's all we've got. And that's all we need. It's all we need. We're going to sing a song. As we sing this song, if you've never placed your faith in the good shepherd, if you've never given your life to the one and only answer to death, the giver of eternal life, if you've never done that, if you've never given your life to Jesus, today would be a great day to do that, to be transformed into a new sheep that follows the right shepherd. And if you have, but you've gone astray, get back in the herd. Get back in the herd. Pray to him today. Sing to him today. Whatever he lays in your heart to do, to get your heart and mind right, to walk out of here and follow him as we leave him, as we leave here today, then do that during this time. Whatever you need to do during this time, let's get it done. I'll pray for us and we'll have that last time together. God, we thank you and we love you and we praise you that you are the good shepherd, God. You are great and awesome and mighty and your plan was the best plan lord and we struggle we struggle with believing that sometimes but we do know that god we have faith that your plan is the best plan we know that you are the only answer to the problems of being a sheep you're the only answer to the problems of being a sheep we have no defense system we need a shepherd. We will wander, and we thank you that you pull us back into the fold, God. We thank you that you, that you give us good pasture. We thank you that, that we are the sheep of your pasture, God. May we just trust in that. Trust in that and allow that to permeate everything in our lives, God. And if there's any single soul that is here this morning or is listening through the camera this morning or will hear this later on on the interwebs, God, that has never placed their faith in you as the good shepherd, may that day be today. The good shepherd lays down his life because he's been given the authority to lay down his life and the authority to take it up again and give the gift of eternal life. God, may that be today be that day, the day of salvation for that individual soul to join the eternal kingdom of God your kingdom. We thank you for that this morning. I pray that this last moments of worship today, God, would just be a time that is invigorating and pleasing to you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.